Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm interviewing a friend of mine who we get to know each other through a coaching group that I do, and he's in a really unique situation. Church is exploding with growth while everybody else is having problems with growth. Uh, they're shifting over to microchurch. They got a new building. All kinds of wonderful things are putting incredible pressure on my friend Russ Shearer. So, Russ, just welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Ralph. <laughs> Pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I'm really <laughs> excited about this. I, I try to interview people who are, you know, kind of going through the trenches, going struggling a little bit because there's, the people who are listening to this are, are usually struggling. And so um, your struggles are really unique. I, everybody else would be, uh, you know, kind of chomping at the bit for what you're going through. And, and yet it's it's created some pressure. Um, kind of take us back a little bit. Tell us about the, the building thing and, and then the growth and what's happened, just what you're doing. Absolutely. It's been a crazy uh, couple of years for us. Um, we are church planners. And so we, this is the second church that we've started. We moved to Peoria, Illinois um, nine years ago and kind of did the more traditional church planting route, uh, built relationships, built a launch team, um, started out and have been in rented spaces primarily for the last eight years. And, uh, and so that means we're really tired <laughs> and, uh, and just, um, you know, we've gone through it like many pastors, I think, uh, in the pandemic, uh, we went from kind of growing and full speed ahead and, and, and things were happening to all of a sudden, you know, we got shut down for a few months in Illinois. Uh, like they kind of shut down everything for a couple of months. And, and, uh, and so then we moved online and did that for a couple of months. And then we started back doing, um, outdoor services, uh, cause we weren't cleared to be in buildings yet. And, and, uh, and when we started meeting there, we were about 50% of what we had been before. And so, um, I mean, uh, yeah, took a huge toll on us and just like everybody else. I mean, we're trying to figure all kinds of things out every week, kind of reinventing church and, uh, and we're doing set up and tear down again, you know, in all, in all kinds of spaces and, and, uh, and, and yet kept, you know, tried to keep focused on mission as well, serving the community, uh, loving our people and loving, loving those around us well and pointing them to Jesus and that kind of stuff. About, uh, about uh, trying to think, nine months into the pandemic or so, we got a, a phone call. I, I did just saying, hey, another pastor saying, hey, you want to come over and have coffee? And I thought, I thought I knew exactly how it was going to go. I thought it was a uh, boy, COVID kind of stinks. We're exhausted. Are you exhausted? You doing okay? Can we pray for each other? I thought it was going to be one of those conversations, but turned out um, being a little different, uh, came in, had, uh, you know, had coffee and, and had a little bit of small talk. And then said, he said, Hey, have you ever seen our facility before? And I'm like, no. And he's like, would you like a tour? I'm like, sure. So we kind of walked around and, and again, uh, I, I was like, Hey, good for you guys. I mean, <laughs> I guess this is a great facility, all that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, would you be interested? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, I did not see that coming. And so uh, long story short, we a uh, couple months later, we were in a, a new facility and it kind of just dropped in our lap, high visibility, um, that kind of stuff. 
Um, we picked up some people that had been a part of the old church. They ended up closing. Um, and it was, it was a kind of a campus of a big church about 45 miles from here or so. And so we picked up some of those people. But then since then, uh, we've just uh, kind of exploded with growth. We have a lot of new people. Um, we've continued to see, you know, people come in and come find Christ and get baptized. Um, and it's created some anxiety and some exhaustion on on my part. And I think this is what you're getting at, Ralph. I mean, we, we, uh, we had been running, like I said, about half of what we had been before. And now we're probably double that. Uh, and then some actually more than 150% up from a year ago. And so uh, uh, we didn't really have the staff or, or the infrastructure. I'm the only uh, full-time staff. Uh, we've got a cup, like a, a very part-time facilities person and a very part-time admin person. And so, uh, and so it's been a lot uh, just trying to figure out how can we help keep reaching people uh, for Jesus? How can we help keep making disciples and growing them up uh, when I'm dying? And so uh, that really has been kind of the catalyst that's accelerated. We, we were already interested in and, and checking out microchurch stuff, but that's really accelerated it for us where we're like, we have got to push disciple making and the mission really down uh, into the church or up or however you want to want to phrase that. And, and that's been a catalyst for us. And it, it's moved from a conversation that we were having last summer and last couple summers, actually with our leaders and, and trying to move them in that direction to, okay, we got to launch because uh, we're going to, we're going to blow people out the back doors. And I mean, people are going to get burnt by the church, all kinds of things. Cause we, I, cause I physically can't care for everybody at the same time. So that's a, a bit of a snapshot. Well, that's a good snapshot. I, I, I want to just, you know, poke around a little bit and ask some questions. What what do you think has caused the, the rapid growth? I mean, it's a time when churches are hurting. Um, they're saying that as many as a third of the people who are in church pre-COVID are just not going to be back at all. Uh, people are shifting alliances. They, you know, they, they trolled online and watched some other pastor and decide they're going to go over there. I, I have a statistic Actually, for our coaching group, 14% of people have transferred due to what they saw during COVID. So you guys are, are having growth. And I, you know, I know sometimes when you're in that situation, you really don't have an idea what's going on other than the Holy Spirit is blessing things. Yep. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think there's a couple things um, that I can see. And then there's some that, like you said, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but I think, uh, first of all, um, I do think we, we found that there's a, a significant percentage of people around here as well that were kind of ready for hope and ready for sort of the next step. And and uh, in Illinois, especially, had, and, and really our country as a whole, but really Illinois had really been putting the screws to organizations, churches, and other things just to really shut down and go very carefully. And I think, I mean, I don't know, as a result, lots of fear, lots of anxiety, lots of whatever. We've been trying to lean into that and just use that as an opportunity to, to point people to Jesus, as has most churches that I know. Um, but that combined with we ended up with some momentum because we had extra people um, in a new building that's highly visible. It's just created a kind of a, a perfect storm in a good way, I guess, um, of, of momentum for us to be able to just move things forward. And as a result, people have been excited. They've been inviting and bringing people. And like I said, I think people have been hungry for hope. And, and, uh, and so that's really served us well. Other than that, I, I can't exactly put a finger on it. God's just doing some neat stuff. I mean, we've ended up with a lot of, um, like 20 somethings and 30 somethings, just young career, um, 
that have really locked in in the season and found um, and found connection and are growing as disciples. It's one of our probably our most successful, our biggest um, group right now, our, our biggest microchurch uh, is is a group of primarily twenty somethings and early thirty somethings that have felt incredibly isolated. Uh, most of them um, don't have; they're not married yet. And so as a result, they've been even more isolated. Many of them are still working from home and that kind of stuff. And they're just itching for community and connection and just people, right? And so uh, this has been a, a kind of a great uh, platform and, and catalyst for, for growth for us. So I want to I clarify one thing as we're in this. We, we, we kind of make a distinction between microchurches inside the circle of a congregation. That's really what you're talking about. That's what we're talking about, yeah. Which is a step toward eventually some of those peeling off and becoming autonomous churches. Exactly. Well, everybody is is worried about we're not reaching millennials, we're not reaching young people. Um, you know, one, one of the things that I discovered this last week in, in my research is that uh, millennials, as a as a whole, as a generation, are not watching church online. They're mm-hmm. craving what you're talking about. And the online experience hasn't been good for them. It's it's worked for older generations of people, but it hasn't worked for the extremely young. How how is it? How, how are you proceeding with um, organizing, uh, discipling, you know, building that uh, microchurch infrastructure into your congregation? Because when you get overwhelmed with a lot of new people. It, it, it there's a lag. It takes a little time to even figure out who's capable. And then to build relationships and then go on from there. Kind of talk us through some of that. Yeah, well, I think part of, uh, I'm going to kind of talk on both sides of it a little bit. There's been some uh, where we've been, like I said, moving in this direction for the last year. Uh, and and so some that we knew, and we've got some longstanding relationship with people that I've invested in uh, that we knew would be ready and be good, good uh, microchurch leaders. There are some that are, have actually been new uh, to us in the last eight months or so. And so we're taking some flyers on a couple of people as well, but, but there's, there's some that it was easy to spot. Like there's one, the woman that I was talking about her group earlier, the, the 20 somethings group, she's a natural disciple maker. Um, I've only known her eight or nine months or something like that. Uh, but I've kind of drawn her close pretty quick just to, to get to know her. And, and I started noticing she's got friends around her um, that are all over the spectrum spiritually. She has them over to her house. They talk about Jesus. In fact, they're meeting before church on Sunday mornings. They've been reading through a book of the Bible. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, this is, uh, this is somebody we've got to uh, get into um, the, the microchurch scene uh, ASAP. And so she's been fantastic. And I, I kind of grabbed her and a couple others to help come up with, um, and I'm going to use the term really loosely, um, but kind of a curriculum of what are we going to do? Um, I know, Ralph, I know we've talked about you, you've done more like the, the sermon, uh, you know, using the sermon as the, the curriculum and, uh, and we're probably going to end up there at one point, but we thought for this first one, we're going to go through Luke and Acts together. And I had them kind of help develop that. And, uh, and so it's really been, um, been been pretty simple. We were reading a couple chapters of of Luke and then into Acts uh, at a time. We're having a meal together um, every time and and uh, and then just talking about four questions. So keeping it real simple uh, along that spectrum. But we've we've um, pushed it. We've we created some videos um, as a church. We created some. Um, I, I've been talking about it. I had a sermon series uh, leading up to this. Just just trying to to elevate and and to get people to think. 
of church differently. So, so moving from just the Sunday morning kind of thing to, to like, Hey, church is when believers get together in Jesus name. And, 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 uh, and so, uh, been trying to elevate that and encourage, say, everybody needs to be uh, a part of the, the micro church and, and, uh, and with our leaders, especially, we've been really encouraging to say, this is, this is our only path forward. This is where we need to go. Um, and I, for the most part, I think pretty much everybody's on board. So it's been great. That's really good. I, I mean, to be able to do this in, and do it in unity. I talked to a man who's doing something very similar to what you're doing. And there are people who are going, uh, you know, I, I, I want to sit back and cruise. I don't really want to go where you're going. Uh, thank you very much. I love you, but I'm out of here. Uh, you know, you mentioned four questions. Immediately, people who are listening to this are going, what are those four questions? <laughs> uh, give us the questions. Okay, well, three of them we obviously stole from you. <laughs> so it's, a, yeah, so credit where credit is due. But, uh, but the, I mean, the first one is just, what is God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit kind of speaking to you? Uh, the second one is, what are you going to do about it? has to do with application and making sure we're becoming doers of the word and not just hearers. The third one is how can we pray or how can we help? Um, and that could be anything from, from praying to, to accountability to sometimes it's training things. I had a person sitting next to me at my uh, micro church last night that was talking about uh, they've been trying to have a conversation with one of their family members about Jesus. And every time they do, they get some, they get some pushback and they're like, I lack confidence that I know what to say or how to answer those questions. And so sometimes it's tools. I said, well, let's get together offline and, uh, and talk more. So that's the, the third one. So how can we, how can we help or how can we pray? And the fourth one is who else needs to know? And that one um, I got from a guy by the name of Bill Allison, who does disciple making stuff too. And I just, what I love about that is it keeps the mission in the forefront. Uh, we, we talked about this last night. We were talking through Luke and, and, um, and read the, the statement where Jesus says, hey, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And so that was a, a big part of our prayer time last night. And a part of our conversation is who is there around us that um, is lost, that, that needs to be introduced to Jesus. And so we ask the same four questions every time. We'll spend a little bit of time uh, reading the, the two chapters. We'll read it together, even though people were encouraging them to read it ahead of time. And then we'll just do quick observations, big picture, what do you notice? And then uh, after we process that, then we just ask the four questions. And and that's really the format of, of every week. And it's been really fantastic, transformational for us. That's exciting. That is really, really exciting. And uh, I mean, I'm a, I love the simplicity of it, but as I'm hearing you say that fourth question it it seems like you're going to be surfacing the persons of peace among you the, the people who have the network uh that you know the, that the woman at the well had that they're they're they'll know who to talk to and and pretty soon they're going to replicate what you're doing that's that's exciting you know just from what you said about staffing and you're the only full-time person and, and all it seems that giving is lagging and, and that's my personal experience when a lot of new people come or, or we start a, a new church or one of the things that has happened to us over the years is whenever we would launch a, a daughter church and, you know, we, th this wasn't ordinary. I mean, four times we gave away 20% of our congregation in one day, um, hundreds of people. We would fill back up this, the chairs in two weeks, but then it took a, a, a little while, usually until I would teach on tithing or something before the money would come back. It took us longer to, um, it was like pruning the bush. It took a little while for the leadership base to grow, to do what we really needed to do. So we were 
we'd be hurting a little bit. And then um, the last thing that we found that we were giving away, my wife noticed this, was that we were giving away people who are all excited about Jesus because they just met Jesus. And they're the ones that want to run out the door and plant a church, especially if you're doing it locally. But uh, talk a little bit about, the because I know there are other people listening to this who are experiencing financial struggles. How's it going? And what are you doing? Um, you know, what can we glean from your pain? Because I know there's a little pain going on. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> you know well. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's always kind of been our case. There's been a, a pendulum to that. And and our heart from day one has been, we, uh, you know, we don't want to just create a church or create churches or start churches that are um, it's just the transfer growth, right. From other churches, stealing people from other things. We've always said, we want people, um, that aren't in any church, uh, our stats around here, um, are about 84% of, uh, of the population isn't in any Christian church of any kind on a, uh, on a regular weekend. And so we said, well, you'd have to be an idiot to go after the 16%. Let's go after, let's go after the rest of them. And so that's always been the case. And, before all this uh, crazy growth happened, our, our stat was a little over 50% of our people had met Jesus here in the last three years. And so uh, so there's a lot of freshly redeemed people, which is fantastic and um, life-giving and exuberant in a lot of ways. It's not really great financially. <laughs> so that's been, a constant, <laughs> that's been a constant kind of battle for us. And so we teach on it regularly. Um, it's one of the things um, we're meeting with our our microchurch and group leaders on uh, Saturday. It's one of the things we're going to talk about. Luke, especially, I'm, I've been blown away as I'm reading through Luke. Jesus talks about money all the time. And so it's one of the things we're trying, even from the group level, to process what is a disciple, how does a disciple use their money, right? And how do, how do we handle that? Because it really is a discipleship issue. And so trying to, to wrestle that to the ground together, um, we always teach at least once or, or twice a year on, on giving and tithing and some of that kind of stuff. But one of the things we stumbled onto, and this is maybe a, a little different turn, I don't know, but uh, one of the, I do think it's fascinating. Um, uh, I have our finance person give us a list of um, some of our top givers and some of those that aren't really giving at this point. And, and a lot of times in the summers, I'll try to schedule as many coffees as I can and kind of go after that. One of the things that's fascinating, uh, learned this up in Wisconsin, when we were planning a church up there, but uh, a lot of times the top givers that I that, that were um, giving at a higher level than they were serving. I'd meet with them and just kind of check, check with them. And I had multiple people say, I've been wondering when you'd come and have this conversation with me. And I was like, oh, interesting. Cause they were, they were more on board than their kind of their, their service or their leadership or whatever would reflect. And so, uh, I've, I've constantly, I mean, Jesus says you can tell where people's hearts are at by that. And, and I think that's true. And so I, I tend to have those kind of conversations with people, not, you know, we're not going after anybody's money or anything like that, but just to have a conversation, build some relationship, move in that direction. And, uh, and those that are on the top end, uh, it's great to invite them into some sort of serving or stepping up in their leadership or whatever else. And those on the bottom end, just build a relationship, see where they're at with Jesus and, and just uh, kind of invest a little bit more uh, there. So it's, it's a, it's constantly a, a, a part of, of what we're doing, what we're thinking and, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it just seems like if, if we're unwilling and I, and I feel the battle within me, right. Cause I don't, it's uncomfortable to talk about money sometimes and that kind of thing, but Jesus talks so much about it. It kind of naturally comes up all the time. So when you're talking to the, to the bottom end, you're probably mm-hmm. not talking to them about money. You're talking to them about their relationship with the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Yeah, because I, I, I think I know some pastors don't want to even know who's giving, who's not giving. Others mm-hmm. are are going to be a little aggressive on that other end of it, which I don't think is a wise thing. I, it, what you're doing seems very, very balanced and, and very good to me. You know, when you when you if if you get around to the sermon is the curriculum for uh, what you're doing in the micro churches. Mm-hmm. When you start to ask those four questions. After you taught on tithing, uh, <laughs> it has a it's an amazing effect because their friends are are speaking into that. One of the things that we did when I was pastoring was we we begin to invite people to pray over the tithes and offering. And if there had been, we started with the people who maybe they came to us and said, you know, I started tithing and God bless my business. Something changed, and so we'd ask them give a testimony about that and then pray for the tithes and that really helped bring other people into the the thing. But then we begin to just ask people, just give us a testimony about God's grace in your life. You know, maybe there was a healing or a restored relationship with a you know son or daughter, something along those lines. And it had a huge effect on our giving. Just the, the, the there's a, the linking somehow uh, uh, to God prospering my life generally. Because I think the word prosperity... Uh, because of those who kind of preach the prosperity gospel, we don't like to use that word. And so I intentionally went the other way. And I started talking about what it means to be prospered is to have joy in your life, to have a healthy relationship with your family. These these are the, this is prosperity. And there, oh yeah, there's a financial part to this also. But then as, as we would kind of redefine that word, biblically define that word people would bring that into their discussion and their those testimonies and we got to a point where we, we would have different testimony every week um you know church wasn't all that big the last church i pastored uh, never grew to th- well about 300 was the max but you know during the times when there was 100 150 people uh, you're obviously recycling people but people have new testimonies if it's always a testimony about money, well, then they're not probably going to be that many. But if it's just a, a testimony about God's grace, sometimes same person's up there three times in a year, and they they enjoy doing it, and the congregation loves to hear stories from other people's lives. That's awesome. Anyway, that's my little two cents worth. Yeah, I love it. So um, where, where does it go from here? I, I know you're a church planter. I know that you yeah. want to multiply churches. What What's the future look like? Yeah, so we had, uh, it's, there's probably a couple of different ways I could go with that. But one of the things that's first and for, in the forefront of my mind, we had actually, before we even got into a building, we had another church come to us and ended up giving us their building so that we could start uh, another church there. And so uh, we're right now looking for um, a church planter and a pastor uh, that is, can, can come and kind of partner with us and help start a church. And it's, it's only about maybe five, six miles to the West of us, um, on a pretty high traffic road. Um, and, and it's actually that that's kind of fun for us. And so, uh, we're looking for the person I might have them. I don't know. We're, we're having some conversation with somebody, but, um, and that's part of our thinking is we'd love to have them start just in a micro church kind of way, like help start a couple of different micro churches in the areas are getting to know neighbors as they're getting to know uh, people in the area and let that be sort of the catalyst um, that, that, that this church plant um, launches from. And so uh, we're excited about that. Um, we, 
kind of another piece. Uh, we required as much as we can anyway, but we kind of mandated, we said every one of our leaders is going to have an apprentice um, leader uh, this year because we're like, we have to multiply or we're dead in the water with our own uh, church. And so, um, and so we're trying to push and develop um, and, and apprentice um, leaders. And so we've, we've been spending some time on that. We're, we're gathering them together, like I said, this Saturday as well, all of them just to kind of pour into them. And, and we're just having some of the multiplication kinds of conversations because I think that's kind of the hard part. It's easy, like even the, I, I was talking with the leader of the, that 20 and 30 somethings group uh, earlier this week and just said, man, that's the hard part. It's such a great group and it's growing every week. It's getting bigger is that you have to fight the temptation that says, let's put up tents and stay forever. You know, like, like, let's just Uh, just stay here in Jesus. It's great. And so trying to keep casting the vision of, yes, this is awesome. We want more people to be able to, to grow in Jesus, meet Jesus and grow up as disciples. And so, uh, trying to set up systems, but also um, just encouraging our leaders to be pouring into others so that we can continue to to multiply as well. It's really cool. One of the things that we noticed early on is that if if a group got to about 25 people, it was going to rapidly shrink to four or five. Mm -hmm. Uh, The, 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 issue seemed to be that when you, a group gets large, two or three people do all the talking and we need to hear from everybody. Uh, people need to, I, I think most everybody just has a, a, a basic need to be recognized, you know, that I, I exist and I have value. I would, it was doing a thing when we were in Hawaii where we would gather all the pastors together and we do this a couple times a year and we just provide lunch. And then I'd ask everybody uh, share something that's going on in your life. And it, you know, something good in your church, something good in your personal life. And if you don't have anything good to say, tell us about the latest app you downloaded on your phone. <laughs> and some would, some of that would be all they'd have to say. But what would happen is we'd spend three hours sometimes, everybody spoke. And did, so many of these pastors who are not in a large church or a rapidly growing church, nobody pays much attention to them. And they came out of there walking on air. And I was with a, a, a one, I did this one time with a group that wasn't my group. I, I went in and <laughs> it was a kind of an odd thing. And the guy who asked me to come and and teach wanted me to get up and preach at everybody for a couple of hours mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, the guru. And I told him what I was going to do. He was so nervous. He took 45 minutes introducing me. And I could see he's just stalling for time because he's afraid that I'm going to lay an egg. It's going to go flat. Mm-hmm. And so we got into this thing and it kept going. It went way beyond the closing time that they had set up. But there was a guy there who was pastoring one of the larger churches. Uh, uh, and it was a fairly new church plant. And he came up afterwards with tears in his eyes. He said, I've never been in a meeting like this. This was so amazing that everybody was recognized. Everybody here counted for something. And I think that we take that back into our churches, that that as a, a microchurch gets to be macro, um, then not everybody really gets a chance to, to be heard. And they, and then they drop out. And I, I think it's really crucial that you're in this, you know, you're structuring, it's kind of exciting watching you, you know, just as we've gotten to know each other and see what's going on. Um, the, the wisdom that God's given you and, and the way that you're doing this and, and now having to manipulate and, and I don't know if manipulate's the right word, but to to master, how do I handle this extreme rapid growth? And then you obviously have somebody who, in that young woman that you mentioned, 
who's on fire and you're going to have to deal with these kinds of issues it's uh, it's fun watching one of the one of the things just going along with your point is uh, a couple of our bigger groups have tried uh we've they've moved to like different different houses sometimes bigger houses and they've been we don't we don't have an apprentice leader for that group quite yet that's ready and so we've been they've been meeting together and then splitting off for the exact reason that you said and they and the all the conversations have been people talk so much more when you break them when you break it down to much smaller groups maybe more like six eight ten as opposed to 20 or whatever and so absolutely that's been great it's been great when i was in california we we had big houses you know early on and we we found ourselves doing that and in, in the very beginning, when we first started microchurch, we had this really huge house and uh, I was leading it. And, you know, I was the lead pastor. So obviously you're going to be the magnet for a bunch of people. We had 50 some odd people in, in this microchurch. And uh, the first week was just stupid. Uh, the next week, we divided them up into five different rooms for discussion. We'd all come together and sing. And then we'd, we'd break up into five different rooms in this house and then about three, four weeks in, we realized this is five microchurches. And Absolutely. we just need to move them out of the house and get it over with. And and then we were kind of off to the races at that point. It was it it turned out to be a good thing. But there there is this danger of of a, we just want to camp out and then when we do, we're not really effective. And uh, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Well, if people want to know a little bit more about what you're doing about Ignite Church, um you know, maybe there's somebody's going, I'd like to plant a church and I live in Illinois and, uh, you know, would you coach me? How, how would they make contact with you? Well, if people want to get a hold of me, uh, you can check out uh, our website is ignitechurch.org or you can email me at russ at ignitechurch.org. We'd love to, love to connect. Great. I just want to say thanks for taking time to do this. It's a super blessing to me. Well, blessing to me too. Thanks, Ralph. Appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.